0: are Deep Thoughts, and I'm Deep Shah. Thanks for listening. Today I want to talk a little bit about pop culture and the effect that it has on our lives. More specifically, the effect that it has on the people making it. A lot of the people that I know that work in the industry also tend to be fans of the things that they make and the things that other people make too. It's really interesting to observe how this dramatically enhances our lives and gives us meaning and purpose and really allows us to trudge through the day-to-day things that, you know, people don't necessarily want to do. This past December, arguably the biggest movie of the last few years came out, Star Wars The Force Awakens. It's such a ginormous cultural force that it's hard not to be swept up by, even if you're not a fan at all. Alongside it, you have a lot of people who can do anything from their homes. And they turn to things like Kickstarter and all these different platforms, and they can really express themselves and find people to enjoy the things that they make with them. Today, I have a friend and someone who I've worked with before, Annie Stowe. Hey, Annie.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here.
1: Sure, anytime.
0: Um, Annie is coming right off the heels of working on some amazing things for Star Wars. And launching off of that, she's also working on something pretty cool um, on Kickstarter called A Thousand and One Nights. Um. Annie, how did you get into working with um, LucasArts and, you know, getting into Star Wars? Because that's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, they're really, really cool. And I'm super lucky. Um, And really, the story of that is a big testament to you really never know unless you ask. Um, There was a portfolio review at New York Comic Con um, a few years ago, and um, Lucasfilm was going to be there. They were looking for pencilers and inkers. And, um, you know, I am neither one of those, but... I, you know, I love to draw, I have an illustration portfolio, and I'm a graphic designer, and I was mm. like, you know, they must use graphic designers and, and art directors, you know, there's got to be some, something, so why don't I just bring my portfolio and, you know, see, like, the worst thing they're going to say is, you know, sorry, no, we're only looking for this kind of artist, um, so I basically crashed the portfolio review, had my art with me, and, um, got to meet one of their, um, uh, art directors, Troy Alders, and, we got along really great. It sort of was this conversation that, um, you know, he started looking over my art and he started asking me about, like, you know, who my design heroes are. And it almost became like this job interview right on the spot, which was super, super cool. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, they were actually looking for, you know, some designers that could do sort of things that, um, you know, I was able to do. Um, and that was just super cool. I was super floored. And he gave me his information to contact um, and so I did. I contacted him and I didn't hear back for a week. And I was like, oh, man, like, what a bummer. I don't know what to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to follow up. So I followed up with him and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, here, um, I'm give you a first assignment. And it kind of took off from there. Um, so, like I said, it's really a testament to um, not being afraid to asking questions. And, you know, maybe if you don't hear back, follow up with someone because you never know what it'll lead to. And um, in my case, it led to a ton of really cool projects.
0: That's awesome. You know, it's funny that you mentioned, um, when you were talking to this person, um, you said that it felt like a job interview and I feel like the best job interviews that I've had are the ones where it doesn't feel like you're being interviewed. It's more of a conversation Mm -hmm. between two people who are passionate about the same things and who want to work together and get the same awesome things done.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, um, that, sometimes, you know, when you're in an interview, you're also interviewing the people that are interviewing you. You know what I mean? Like you get a sense of who they are and if you yourself would want to work with them. And, you know, I really did. He is a super cool person and it's very easy to, to work with him and work with them. So, um, I have nothing but, you know, excellent things to say. And I'm, you know, I'm super grateful for that opportunity as well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, um, I think, it also led to you getting something published, right? Sabine's um, sketch journal, I think.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I had been doing several assignments, um, you know, random freelance for um, Lucasfilm, like merchandising, uh, on and off for like a year or so. And um, Studio Fun is this group that does a lot of really awesome, like children's books, and they had pitched to. Um, now it was Disney slash Lucasfilm. Um, that they wanted to do, like, a series of journals when Star Wars Rebels was about to happen. Um, And Disney really liked the idea, and they're like, okay, well, you got to find someone to do the illustrations. And um, Troy had, you know, remembered the art that I had done, remembered, you know, from the portfolio view, as well as, you know, the work that I've done for him. And he contacted me and was like, I'd really like to pitch you um, for this new project coming up, because I feel like your style really suits this new character i don't know if you know anything about star wars rebels and i was like do i oh my gosh like (laughs) um you know it hadn't come out yet but i was like following it i was really excited because the character of sabine for those that don't know um is a mandalorian young girl who is an artist and so she's sort of like using her art to um express herself but also using art as like a tool to fight like the evil of the empire and she's just this really really cool character she's like a very well-rounded um young woman and you know it characters like that unfortunately are kind of rare and you know I want to see more Sabine's because she's super super cool and so to be able to like do the drawings for her in a book which you know being Star Wars was it went through the story group and it became canon I mean that was just the coolest thing ever um
0: that's pretty awesome now yeah. <laughs> i'm ashamed to say unfortunately that i haven't seen any of star wars rebels um so like what's You love time <laughs> yeah i do um but like what's what's sabine's i guess role in the larger um story and you said she uses art to kind of express herself and to mm-hmm. um inspire and you know can you give an example of how she would do that
1: yeah, sure. I mean, Star Wars Rebels is really about this um, group of literally the rebels. It, it comes before the period of time of the original movies. And it's really about this group of, um, you know, people and aliens that sort of start the Rebel Alliance. And you're kind of like seeing the building blocks of how people start, you know, speaking out against the Empire and like, you know, what's going on. Um, and it's interesting because the characters in Rebels really feel like a family. Um, You know, you've got an older Jedi, Kanan, who's now training Ezra, who's like this Force-sensitive kid that wants to become a Jedi. Um, You've got Hera, who is this awesome, like, Twi'lek pilot. She's this sort of mother-sister kind of figure. And, um, you know, you've got Zeb, who's like your big fighting alien guy, tough guy, but he's actually kind of a softy. Um, there's a cranky robot called Chopper who is adorable. And, um, you've got Sabine who is sort of this like young girl that, um, has kind of found herself caught up in this. Um, and it's interesting because there's different episodes that focus on the different characters. Um, Ezra's kind of the main character, but you get to see each of them shine and they all work together, which is really great. Um, there's a couple of episodes I really love where Sabine and Hera team up together, and I mean, I personally find that really great to see. You know, two uh, great like female characters, you know, working together and um, you know using their brains as well as their you know brawn and whatnot. Um, they're they're just really really cool to see that interaction um, and you know sabine will do things like she'll paint like a mural or like graffiti um the starbird logo which the starbird logo is actually goes on to evolve to become the rebel alliance crest so that's one of those kind of cool things you see that's really awesome like she'll she'll graffiti on a wall and then hook it up to an explosive and then you know she'll explode it um there's an episode where they like steal a tie fighter and later on um it comes back and she paints it all cool colors and stuff um so it's really cool. I mean, the whole premise of her character, too, is that, like, she uses her artistic talents to, like, rally people. Um, and, you know, she kind of goes with the whims. You know, sometimes she gets really inspired and she'll just draw on someone's helmet. But it's super cool. Um, and yeah. I, I love seeing a character like that because, you know, she she's very... Um, I guess I've said it before, but she's, like, very well-rounded. She's really cool, and I just want to see, like, her do more things. Um, She's got this kind of cool past um, where they've alluded that she was in the Imperial Academy and then she left because she was seeing, like, you know, the bad stuff that was happening. Um, And then she's also recently found out that she's, you know, from sort of a prominent Mandalorian family, and that that comes with a lot of, like, you know... Yeah, so spoilers. (laughs) Um, It's not super, super spoilers, but, like, it's like, you know, um, she's from this line of people that are like very proud fighters. So, you know, there's a lot of little complexities and nuances to her character, and I think that's really cool. Because, you know, before there was Princess Leia and that was about it, you know, you had like, yeah. the Mothma and Mothman, whatever. But to really be developing a character like this, I mean, it's great for kids of all ages that, you know, you can look up to her and be like, Oh man, I want to draw and you know, I think that's great.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's really awesome to see all these different role models that kids have now. because um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I remember growing up, you know, I I didn't have that many. Um right. so like I remember being in school and they'd be like, Oh, who do you look up look up to? And I'd be like, I don't know, my dad? Right. Like Gandhi. Yeah. Um
1: <laughs> Yeah, right. And I mean that's another thing too that that um I like about Star Wars Rebels is that um None of the characters are outwardly, I don't know how to say it, but, like, super white-looking. Like, Sabine looks Asian. Hera is a green chick. Um, you know, Kane and Ezra are not, like, I don't know, it's a little ambiguous, you know what I mean? Right. And I think that's, you know, a step in the right direction. Could it be better? Yeah, sure. I definitely can, can always get better. But I think, you know, people starting to look at characters and be like, you know what? We need to have better representation um, because guess what? Everyone's not a white kid. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's, it's inspiring because it's like, you know what? Like, it's great to see different characters. There's all different people in the world. Like we should be embracing this. Um, And, you know, I, I really give it to the creators of Star Wars Rebels because I think that they get that. And um, it's certainly a step in the right direction. I want to see more. Like I want, I want to see more shows inspired by, by Star Wars Rebels, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and not just, you know, in something mainstream like that but there's also a lot of um indie kind of movements towards this kind mm-hmm. of thing um over christmas break uh, i met up with my cousin and his kids in chicago and mm-hmm. i gave um my niece a book called hello ruby i don't know of if you're course. familiar with it um Yeah I've
1: heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it
0: was really awesome. It's like for those for those of you that don't know, it's um it's a Kickstarter campaign and it was a, it's like it's a story um about a girl who learns coding. It's like coding adventures and that kind of thing, and you know it looked really awesome. And I gave it to her because like, I yeah. think these days kids have so many different options and avenues through which they can be successful and mm-hmm. um, find their passions. And you know, my my uh, my cousin sent like a text afterwards. Like they were in the car and like she would not put it down, and that was really cool. Um,
1: yeah, it's great. And I mean, it's great to see characters that are not, you know, just a princess, you know, it's really cool. You know, for instance, like Hera is a pilot, and she's, you know, a mechanic, and she's really savvy. And so while she might not be fighting, like she's got these really great skills. And, you know, same with Sabine, like she's an artist, like she can, you know, she can hold her own, but she also has this really creative side to her. And that's important, I think, for kids to see that, you know, there's more than just being a princess or the chosen one.
0: How much like, as, as creators, how much do you think is our responsibility to push these kinds of things? Because I'll admit, like, you know, especially early on in my career, I don't really think about that kind of stuff um, or yeah. not consciously. Anyway. Like you sometimes have to put in a conscious effort, especially when you work for yep. other people, because it's like, oh, you know, can you do this? Well, sure, I can do that. But then you have to like, wait, step back. Yeah. And then can we do these other things, too? Can we add this in?
1: I mean, I think what I've found and like, granted, okay, so I don't do like creative, creative on rebels or anything, but even just, you know, working in the like music industry or like, you know, my day job and whatnot, I think that in general, I've kind of found that sometimes as a creator, you really do have to go out of your way to, um, you know, push people to include diversity and these ideas. But what I found too, is that like, if you bring it up, people very often are like, oh yeah, good, good idea. Let's do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can't wait for other people to take the initiative. You have to do it. And, you know, is a big theme in my life. Like the worst anyone's going to say no is no. And, you know, you then find another avenue. Um, right. So I think it's I think it's on us like when, you know, when you get put in a position where you can, you know, create a space for other people who very often are talked over like do whatever you can to give them a space and you know if you are finding roadblocks see what you can do to get around those um because very often just having a conversation and saying okay I included this this and this um you know your art directors and your people will be like oh that's a great idea like I love that you know what I mean um very rarely nowadays are people going to start saying no so I think we have to you know as our creators push other people but i think that we're starting to get to a point where it's a little more hopeful um but like i said we got to push it you can't wait for someone else to do that for you
0: i totally agree and it's even easier to kind of reach out um Mm because i i think it's interesting that you know something like the internet it brings us all together even more um i I read something actually the, the other day that um said something to the effect of about maybe like you know, probably like a hundred years ago, um, mm-hmm. automobiles and planes, they allowed people to visit other places, right? And it uh-huh. kind of brought different people from different places together in a different way. But, you know, you were still separated by space um, and time. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. the internet kind of brings us back to a kind of older way of communicating with other human beings it's a little more tribal which is really interesting um Mm -hmm. in the sense that you know space and time doesn't really matter anymore and you can also use this to enact change really quickly because it's really Mm -hmm. easy to change things in a tribe when you can kind of just grab the person next to you and go oh hey what if we tried this
1: yeah, I mean, I think it certainly allows for a lot of really great collaboration, um, at least in my experience, and as far as like putting together, you know, comic anthologies or um, things of that nature. I think, you know, this kind of communication is great. Hey, you know, if we're talking via Skype right now. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I know, you know, for Thousand and One Nights, you worked with a bunch of different artists for mm-hmm. the past year, which is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, how did you corral everyone to do this?
1: Um, yeah, it's been hurting like 250 cats. It's been quite, it's quite a, a thing. Um, so my co-creator, Kevin J. Stanton, and I um, initially actually, um, A Thousand One Nights was going to be just a small zine that we were talking about. Um, we were like really inspired by like Lady Nights and we really wanted to see um you know more diverse and more rich characters and we were saying how it's sort of a genre that like it'd be really great to see more from and we're like you know let's do like a little zine like a like an aria brianne zine and we'll get like five people we'll ask you know on twitter and you know put a little book together it'll be real fun um and we put a call out for art um just on twitter saying anyone interested in being like a brand aria kind of lady Night kind of zine and then one day we had a hundred people say yes wow <laughs> and they were all amazing artists like this you know everyone in it was like i wasn't going to say no to any of them they were all just so amazing and we really realized that this was something bigger than us and bigger than even like game of thrones it was really like Um, a lot of people that were talking to us were just like, well, you know, I like them, but I really love, you know, lady nights. And I really like this idea that you're doing, you know, keeping in mind sort of like, you know, people positivity and like feminist, uh, overtones. And, um, we were like, you know what, let's, let's go big. Let's make this like a huge book. And, you know, instead of only women, you know, let's make this people positive. Like, let's open this up to like all gender IDs, you know, both creators and characters. And I think, making this space and creating this sort of platform and, you know, having it be pretty open has allowed so many different artists to just be super, super creative and, um, you know, giving them a a way to express themselves and, and, you know, talk about these ideas. Uh, And then it sort of grew from there where the book got so big that it was like okay this isn't even gonna fit in one book (laughs) so let's divide this up into three different volumes and we had then we had a little bit of like wiggle room um and so kevin and i were like well you know, we've got this extra space. Let's go, let's just ask some of these artists that we've always loved. Like, let's make a list of our like, you know, dream people we'd always love to see in a book and let's contact them again. Like, what's the worst going to say? No. Okay. Well, ask somebody else. And so we did that. We actually like contacted this like dream list and, you know, a lot of the people actually said yes. And, you know, the only a few people actually said no. And generally it was like, oh, sorry, I'm really busy. I'm working on this like super cool thing. And we're like, no, no, do the cool thing. That's why we love you. <laughs> um, but yeah. everyone was really, really great. Everyone loved like what we were getting at. And so it grew from 100 people and now we're at like 250. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's crazy and it's really cool. And it's, it's a real testament, I think, to how incredible these artists are but also to this need to see you know characters that have meaning and you know thinking about what does it mean to have strength and also embracing both creators and content that you know are diverse and letting you know other people speak and hearing what they have to say um yeah there you go (laughs) yeah
0: um you know as as i remember um talking to you a little bit about this mm-hmm. i think when it was still in the infant stages right <laughs> um, and you know seeing it on kickstarter is not only mind-blowing but also you know i was thinking how stressful it can be to kind of a corral mm-hmm. all these people and then b yeah. kind of manage the whole like kickstarter thing um congratulations by the way on meeting your your goal because that's awesome because like
1: yeah thanks oh um, my gosh most
0: most projects don't even don't even get there um yeah
1: I mean oh gosh (laughs) yeah we were well first of all we're super super grateful and just really proud of you know all of our artists and our backers like it's it's super incredible and you know we don't take that for granted for a second um And some of how, like going back to your sort of original question, like how do you corral and how do you get them together? So, um, you know, Kevin and I talked a lot about like what we each can bring to the table. And having two people sort of co-create is very useful. It helps you um, because each of us has very distinct strengths. And if there's anything that, you know, we both felt that like, okay, this is something that neither of us are very good at, we found someone to bring in who can do that. So, like, for instance, like, Kevin's really great at, like, sort of the day-to-days. I'm, like, more of sort of the overall big dreamer kind of person. And so we talked to each, to each other, you know, till like, 2 in the morning, getting things done and, you know, going over everything. Um, and then when it came to actually being like, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to be real. But in order to do this, we need someone who is, like, super savvy at math. This is potentially going to be really, really big. Like, I can't fit a thousand books into my apartment. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, So, we need someone to fulfill this, and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, what we ended up doing is we approached Breadpig, who had actually worked on um, several of the really large um, comic Kickstarters, um, and, you know, show them what we're up to, and we're like, you know, we need help with the math and blah, blah, blah. And they actually took us on, which was huge, because um, they generally take on the really big um, projects. Hey, am I still on? Yeah, you're on. Okay. My computer, went to sleep for a second. I was like, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So like we brought them in and that was extra cool. And, you know, George um, is who we really deal directly with. And he is able to, you know, help us with the fulfillment. And he also helped us with the math, you know, and coming up with all those parts that, you know, both Kevin and I could not have done on our own. Um, so it's an exercise in like finding people that can you know bring in your strengths um Absolutely. And, you know, like we needed a video, neither of us is a video um person, so um you know, Kevin has his friend matt um my friend I'm um, sure he did the music, and so it's been really sort of a testament to you know just being super frank with people and like this is what we need to do, so as far as corralling that many people as well, you know. We would send out emails. We tried not to send out too many because that's annoying. But mm-hmm. um, you know, we would send out an email, be like, "Here is everything that we're going to do." Being super transparent, having deadlines, um, and the fact of the matter is that this book is so large that we, from the beginning, talked about, you know, this is going to take the time that it needs to take. Uh, if this right. book needs more time, we're going to give it to it because we're not going to, you know, settle and rush at the last second.
0: It's um, it's always really hard when you're kind Mm. of building something even on your own or with another person to recognize hey i need help in this area or like hey yeah um i can't do this on my own and to find the right person to do that because i've seen so many times where like a small business will fail or a startup would fail because um you know they think that they can do it on all on their own and right it's always like A breath of fresh air when you realize that you can't, and you find someone that can help you out with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the secret to any any successful, you know, Kickstarter, really anything, is being able to know your strengths and your weaknesses, and know that, you know, like for instance, like I can't do everything. There are things that I am not good at, aka math. So bringing in someone who is that is their jam, like that was absolutely invaluable. And you know, just on technical things, like they would point out, okay, you know you know, if you do this, this is, you know, X, Y, and Z make shipping costs more. So if you do this, this, and this, it'll be less. And like, you know, if you add this, then everything shifts. And so being able to have someone that understands how to do that, um, is super invaluable because that's not something that I would know. Like I can design a book and I can envision it and I can work with Kevin, but um just bringing in people that you know can help you is super super valuable and then being very frank and transparent with the artists as well so they know what's going on um you know sometimes people need more time and so we're like okay you've got more time um i think that because a thousand one nights is so huge there are some things that are a little bit different than your average um comic anthology like i wouldn't have kickstarted this if it wasn't just about complete because you know with that many people would ever be finished you know what i mean right so waiting till it was like 90 percent done and like the only thing left is to like you know write up the indexes that's the way to go because then backers can say oh okay this is done i just need to like give them some money so it can actually be published and you know be on the way um so you know thinking about that kind of stuff i think we were actually ready closer to december but then realizing if we launch this in the middle of december everyone's you know buying their holiday presents and you know it's like well, are you going to back a thing that's not going to happen for a while or, you know, buy a present right now? Mm-hmm. So then we had to sort of, like, wait till end of January, February. Um, so, and that was, you know, advice we were given. And it's important to kind of think about that and take that kind of advice as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that was definitely a good play on your part. Um, It's, I can, I think, was it ever, did it ever get to a point where it was so stressful and you didn't know if you could, like, keep pushing? Because, um, you know, balancing a day job and also a side project is strenuous enough but when you have to do something like this i i would imagine that the effect on your like mental health and something like that would be like pretty crazy like how did you balance that and
1: right well i think it goes back to the whole this project takes the time it needs um and you know in the early fall i was getting married and you know, Kevin had a couple of like big projects and we had a whole bunch of artists that weren't done yet. And so it was kind of like, okay, this deadline for you guys is getting extended because you know, we need to take a little bit of time to do what we need to do. But we also want to give you artists time to make sure that you're good with what you're doing as well. Um, So I can never stress enough that, you know, give the project that you have enough time. I mean, this is a passion project. So we had the luxury of saying, okay, it needs a little more time. You've got it. Um, obviously there's a point at which we're like, okay, everyone, it's due, but, um, yeah. you know, because this is so huge and a little bit unprecedented, um, we just needed to make sure that we were doing everything right, that we had the math right, that, you know, everyone's, um, items were together that I had to be able to, you know, lay out the book, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know if that completely answers your question, but like, I mean, there were definitely times that was stressful, but also knowing that there were two of us. So if one of us has something going on, maybe the other one can pick it up. I think that was really important that you've got you know another person to share that with. um Kevin is absolutely amazing, <laughs> so um you know, and we get along really well. We have a really great you know working chemistry so and you know knowing what to divvy up, I think helps out a lot. um I think the only time that has actually been a little bit super stressful is a good problem that we had, which is that we reached our goal so fast that we didn't have our like images for the next push goals up yet. Oh. <laughs> so we were like scrambling. Um, think it was like last week or the week before, like, you know, three, four in the morning, trying to like get all this uh, stuff together. Cause we thought we had the weekend to, you know, add these little special images. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good problem to have. So that wasn't, wasn't stressful so much as it was just like, Oh man, like this is doing too well.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was actually, um, when I was looking at your push goals, um, I noticed mm-hmm. that there were like some additional printing things on there and like how did you calculate um like did you do all the math in advance or was it estimated mm-hmm. like oh like did you go to the printer and and ask them for estimates for these potential things also um or like was it
1: so yeah I mean well basically um what's been really great about working with Brad Peg is that generally we go to them with our big dreams and we're like you know, we want to make this book and want it to be like, you know, three volumes and, um, you know, Brad people would be like, okay, what is your ideal? Like the craziest version? We're like, oh, well we want like gold edges and, you know, foil and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we basically told them our dreams and what we thought was realistic. And then they'd be like, okay, we have these vendors that can do X, Y, and Z. And they actually, um, helped us with the vendor selection. We've actually narrowed it down to about three now. So, um, when the Kickstarter is over, we'll be able to, you know, award, um, based on like how many total backers we have. And that's a math thing that, you know, they're able to do for us. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically, you know, they could say, okay, this is what's realistic. This was what you should then build into a push goal. So, you know, starting out with the hardcover cloth bound for color, no problem. Let's make adding foil or adding a pantone color. We can make that a push goal. Um, that's super, super cool. And then as far as like the extra push goals, we, you know, we sat down with them, we had a brainstorming session and we like wrote out all of our ideal things and they said, okay, this is what would be great for you guys. You know, um, items that can ship flat, that won't up the shipping costs too much that, um, you know, won't have any issues with customs for international orders, you know? So like we had some super crazy ideas and they're like, okay, read it in a little bit. And then they actually came up with some other cool ideas we hadn't thought of. So um, it was a collaborative effort and um, it was a lot of fun
0: it sounds like a perfect storm size type of situation in the best way possible yeah for real um yeah uh, it's funny that you mentioned shipping internationally because I've known a bunch of oh, people gosh. who like that's such a nightmare like yeah. what if it get what if it gets held at customs what do you do
1: and that has happened and that was honestly, um, because before I had done A Thousand One Nights, I had worked on a shojo anthology called Hanadoki Kira
0: mm-hmm. with
1: um, the Year 85 girls who are amazing. And we had a blast um, you know, working on the anthology, but we did it all ourselves. We did the math and the whole nine yards. And um, I think if we had to do it all over again, we would have put more money in for shipping because um, you never know, like, A, when the USPS is going to, like, up the shipping cost, which mm-hmm. they actually did right before A Thousand One Nights. And we had to, like, recalculate everything all over again. Um, which we're good now but like you know like that stuff happens you have to be able to prepare for it yeah um but focusing on Hanadoki Kira, like yeah there were definitely international things that we were like oh wow like we didn't think that this would happen and you know we had enough money to cover it so it was fine but um on something like a thousand one nights you know it's such a huge project it costs so much there's gonna be so many books that we need to have um you know things in place to make sure that you know if anything goes wrong we've got something there which is Why, like, again, having someone like Breadpig on board to help us, because they've done it before, they know what to expect, that's invaluable. That's something that, like, there's no way that I would have been able to do that on my own.
0: Yeah. Did you have to front any of your own um, for this? Like, or is it all going to happen after you get the funds?
1: No, pretty much all happens after we get the funds. I mean, with the exception of, like, I bought some fonts. Okay. (laughs) Like, I yeah, like, I licensed some fonts. And, um, you know, I think that's, like, Basically, I think we bought some flyers, but that's, like, sort of personal stuff. Um, yeah. The books themselves, like, none of that has happened yet. So that's why we're kickstarting is to be able to, to create these books because um, it's actually really fascinating um, – but to make the book at the you know level that we already want to go in, like costs a lot of money. So there's no way that if we've ever brought this book to a publisher, they'd be like, yeah, totally go for it. Like hardcover, like foil, <laughs> like, oh yeah, let's do it. You know, like they yeah. wouldn't. And then that's why we're self-publishing it because, you know, the idea is really great. The artists are really amazing. And we wanted to make this book just like the coolest book we could. Um, So yeah, <laughs> that's why. Hence we need the money. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um... Yeah, while while we were talking, my my brain was kind of doing like a pop culture race thing, and I remembered about Deadpool. Did you see it yet?
1: Oh, I'm about to this weekend. Happy Valentine's Day!
0: You too. Yeah, it's it's always fascinating to see like the different kinds of marketing campaigns out there for like different kinds of creations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Like, did you see the the Deadpool Valentine's Day posters?
1: I did. It's amazing. (laughs) They're great they're absolutely great genius Um, with like this sort of rom-com sort of deal yeah
0: yeah
1: Uh, we actually had a a lot of talk about strategy for um marketing for thousand one nights um because i mean obviously if you have 250 artists you kind of already have this sort of built-in army if you will of you know people that can go to not only their audiences but their family and their friends and a lot of the artists you know do crossover, you know, there's a lot of indie artists, but there's a lot of artists that, you know, might not be from the same indie pools. So there's a lot of really great new um, audiences out there. But the challenge is reining all of them in mm-hmm. because, um, you know, for instance, like if everyone just posted their piece all at once, then okay, we've already seen the book and why am I going to back it, you know? Um, so we actually took a page from Beyonce's book and we built up a lot of hype, like this project's gonna happen, it's gonna happen anytime. Like, mm-hmm. get ready, you know, people were starting to get like, oh my god, like is it gonna happen? Like what's gonna go on? And then, you know, the artist knew what day it was gonna drop, but then one day we were just like, It's on, it dropped, go fund it. And our first day was just crazy.
0: How long did it take you to to get a hundred percent funded?
1: Um I think it was like a less than 36 hours.
0: That's awesome.
1: It's, yeah, it was absolutely insane. My phone, my poor old phone, like couldn't, I turned off the notifications. It actually like started to overheat. I think it almost burned out. Oh man. (laughs) It was, it was absolutely incredible. We didn't think that, I mean, we were confident that if all of us worked really hard for 30 days, we would reach funding, no problem. Mm-hmm. But we did not think that, you know, in less than 48 hours, less than 36 hours, that it would be 100% funded. Like, that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's still really hard to fathom. It's it's just super incredible. I mean, we're really grateful for the amount of support. And um, it's interesting because um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of people are backing at the tier that's all three books that make up the whole volume set. Um how did you decide
0: the pricing in the tiers and like what thought went into that
1: that's a lot of um us talking with Breadpig, basically um you know we have they pitched to different vendors to see like what the cost would be and then you know worked with us and showed us what the math would be and you know like we have sort of like a general pricing and so that's sort of um, based on how many units we're going to do. And the math behind this is very like complex and sliding and it's super, super cool. So I know like when it's all over, we're going to show everyone cause it's just, it's a very fascinating sort of study because usually if you do, um, you know, uh, an anthology Kickstarter, you're like, okay, we're only making X amount of books, but we also have to sort of build in a little bit of math because, um, as you know, if you reach a certain point, um, books come in sort of, what would you say? Like, you know, increments. So, you know, a thousand, 2000, 2500, 3000, et cetera. The more books you get, technically the cheaper it is to get said books because you're ordering in bulk, Mm -hmm. but then you're also ordering more books. So, um, we actually reached a point where we had to up the amount of books that we were getting because not only are we getting books for the backers, but each artist is getting, um, a special artist edition of books as well. So that's part of what we're kickstartering for is to give special um, books to the artists as well as to the backers.
0: Right. That totally makes Um, sense.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like it, that's why, like, again, like bringing people that can do things that you can't do um, because, their experience is invaluable, and they've done they've done this for several really really big um kickstarters. They've done like Ryan North and Atomic Robo, and um, I've you know I've some of a lot of things that I've actually kickstarted myself, like you know backed, and their quality is super great. So, yeah. um, Atomic Robo yeah, is one of my favorite things
0: of all time. By the way, oh, it's yeah. just so good. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, Scott's a friend of mine. He's so cool.
0: Awesome. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, thanks for for coming on.
1: No, thanks for having me.
0: This is this is the first episode by the way. So I'm really excited oh, to see no. <laughs> see where it goes.
1: Happy first episode. I'm glad I could talk with you.
0: <laughs> Thanks.
1: This is super cool. I mean, I think it's really fascinating to talk to creators and find out, you know, stories behind um the art and and whatnot. Because I mean, especially with Kickstarter, I feel that like it's really important to be transparent. Um you know, a lot of the Kickstarters that I've done before, like hideoki Kira and such, like it took us like a week or two to get funded. It didn't happen overnight. It was, you know, a little bit stressful. Um, and then, you know, you hear about things like A Thousand and One Nights. You're like, how they make so much money in like less than two days? Um, and, you know, knowing that, you know, there was a lot of thought put behind it. There's a lot of people involved in it. It's um, a lot of work. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of work, and you know there are times when you know I'd be like, okay, you know what, this isn't ready yet. We've got to wait. Um, so it's not just like magically one day we're like, hmm, we're just gonna drop it, and yeah, it'll make a crap ton of money. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's not just that. So I think it's important. I've definitely went to a lot of um panels at like Comic Con that were like about like how to kickstart and like listen to a lot of other people talk about what their experiences were. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think, you know, I think it's really important, especially if you're going to, like, you know, do your own kind of, like, passion projects to, you know, see what's come before and how you can improve it. And then, you know, also how you can make it work for yourself. I would never just go out out of the gate and make A Thousand One Nights. You know, I had other projects I had worked on beforehand as well.
0: Yeah. Well, um, enjoy the rest of your post-drive, post-wedding, cold New York (laughs) evening.
1: Heck, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's like minus one here.
0: It's it's nuts. Yeah.
1: It's so bad. I mean, I'm from Buffalo, so I'm used to like cold, but then I've also haven't lived in Buffalo for long enough now that like I've lost my awesome thick skin. So I'm like, oh, it's cold. <laughs>
0: yeah, and the wind chill is just what kills it, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's dangerous when you don't feel the cold, Like that's how you know it's true cold is you go out and you're like, this isn't so bad. And then, you know, your fingers start falling off. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> Yeah,
1: um, you gotta be real careful. Like, make sure you're bundled up and you know have gloves and everything. Yeah, my my greatest advice to your listeners: <laughs>
0: <laughs> protect your your fingers and your toes.
1: Yeah, listen to your mom. Put your hat on. <laughs> <laughs>